Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast After Sight. I am your host, Penn Street, and I hope everybody had a good week. Today's guest is somebody I have actually been sitting here trying to think of how long we've known each other. Um, I think we met in 2014, 2015 um, at a No Barriers event in Park City, Utah. And that person is a really awesome human being, Sam Morris. Sam, thank you so much for taking time today to be on our show. It's such a pleasure to be here, Ben. Thank you for inviting me. And I think it was, was it Copper Mountain? Was it Park City or was it Copper Mountain? Were you it was, it was, it was Park City. It was Park City. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we met again in Copper. So, okay. yeah. yeah. And I remember it because um, meeting you and going through your Zen Warrior training, which I, I hope you will share with our audience what that is really changed my life i was going through um a lot of issues with my eyes and it was hitting the point that i really needed one of my eyes to be removed and i was just really really struggling with what that meant um how i would change because of that and doing your zen while you're training really transformed me and my whole attitude about it from coming at it at a negative space to a really positive space and from that moment on not just what i you know sort of transacted with my eye but i used those those philosophies in all of my transactions of my life really so so yeah so sam is, is such a, an amazing person and i can't wait for all of you to get to know him and sam i like to start my podcast off with just some couple of just rapid fire questions so that the audience sure. gets to know you just a little bit better and before we we dive right in is that okay you with can, you you can do rapid fire and i'll do slow answer Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Teamwork, right? Um, do you prefer mountains or the ocean? Mm, it's both. Uh, um, I guess if you're saying prefer, oh gosh, um, I would probably <laughs> choose mountains. Oh, okay. Even though I'm located near the ocean and I love the ocean, I think I would probably, if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably choose mountains. Mm. My perfect would be on the ocean, right beside the mountains. Mm, I love that. <laughs> Are you a cat person or a dog person? Dog. Dog. Oh, that was mm -hmm. quick. That was mm -hmm. quick. I, yeah, I'm was the same. I, mm -hmm. I am definitely the same. Um, <laughs> so I always ask my guests, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Celebrate by Cool and the Gang. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that definitely goes with along with what I've known, what I know about you, Sam. So when I was a little kid, my, um, uh, and I'll let you get to your next question, but when yeah. I was a little kid, my first record that my dad ever bought for me was that album celebrate by cool and the gang. And I Aww. think I nearly wore the needle on the record player out because it was <laughs> so exciting. And I just would jump up and down to celebrate good times. <laughs> just jumping up and <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. 
If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit aincolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Sam, I know your life, you know, you what you've shared with me and when I've been in some of your trainings is that, you know, you sort of had the world by the tail and then really almost in an instant, um, due to a, a horrific car accident, your life changed overnight and put you in a, a place and a new environment that you didn't, you know, weren't expecting. Can you share with us? Um, a little bit about what that was like and and what got you to the place you are now? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, when I was 23 years old, I was a college kid who was into the outdoors and skiing and snowboarding and cycling and hiking. And uh, I was also a musician, a guitar player. So when you mentioned music, I was yeah. um, love that. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, a 23 year old kid who was, uh, very into sort of Buddhist philosophy and, uh, and the outdoors and just living life at its fullest. And that summer of 1999, that was 23 years ago, I led a cycling trek across the United States for nine teenagers. Um, wow. we, we, uh, cycled about 3,800 miles in a little less than two months. And uh, we were unsupported by vehicles. And so we did all our own cooking and camping and everything. And uh, thought that I had just taken on the biggest challenge of my life. I swore that that was going to be the biggest challenge that I would ever take on. <laughs> well, only two and a half months later, I was riding in the backseat of a car driven by a driver who had been drinking and he lost control of the car on a gravel road and uh, went into the woods. And my body took the impact and I broke my T12 vertebra and uh, became paralyzed from my waist down, from my navel down when that happened. So I lost all sensation and motor function from my belly button down. Uh, and it was all happened in the blink of an eye. I never lost consciousness, oh. didn't have any bruises, oh. no blood, no bruises, no, nothing else broken or even scraped. It was just my T12 vertebra oh. just exploded on impact. And so thus began a whole new life for me. Did you know when you were laying there in the woods, did you know that you were paralyzed or were you in Instant. shock? You did Instant. know it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember wow. even as I was uh, gasping for breath, uh, my one of my best friends was riding in the passenger seat and he turned around and said, is everyone OK? And I remember just going like choking for breath. And, no, 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 not OK. Not OK. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was in shock, obviously, and it was incredibly traumatic. And you know, I'd just gone from cycling across the U.S., I had huge quads and thighs and 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 uh, calves, I mean, and I was in the best shape of my life, and yeah. suddenly there was fifty percent of my body was silent, and wow. it was uh, it's pretty shocking. I had just uh, just a few weeks before I had completed a wilderness first responder training, and had practiced uh, doing mock uh, rescue efforts for people with spinal cord injuries, 
And uh, uh, never did I imagine that a few weeks later it would actually be me who be needed to be rescued with a spinal cord injury. Wow. So I'm guessing you were taken to the hospital and... Yep. Um, uh, and they tore the roof of the car off of the jaws of life, slipped a backboard under me, pulled me out. Uh, I made sure to watch them like a hawk because I knew exactly how any little movement could mean the difference between recovery of some kind of function and never recovering function. Oh, wow. And so I was just watching them like a hawk the whole time. They did a great job. They put me on a backboard and brought me into the hospital and, uh, and I, I spent, I, I had a spinal fusion surgery, spent a week lying there on morphine with friends and family coming and going. And then on, um, uh, on day seven, I believe, they took me off of the morphine and I had the first experience of complete lucid, sober thinking following the injuries because I'd been numb that whole week on morphine right. and just near, I mean, I, I was in the process of losing my mind. I thought I could not go on for the rest of my life. I had just turned 24 couldn't possibly imagine the rest of my life being paralyzed from the waist down. And uh, the anxiety was so intense. The only thing I could think to do was breathe. And mm -hmm. uh, amazingly enough, I had a full on mystical experience wow. that was catalyzed by my breath, which is a big part of why I incorporate breath work into my yeah. warrior training coaching practice these days, because it is absolutely powerful stuff and did you do you think that that breath experience came from because you you had mentioned you know that you were living a buddhist life and you know experimenting with with that and i know breath is is, is part of the foundation of of their practices do you think yeah, I, I, that I was part of it yeah, I had in my mind that I wanted to practice yoga. I had, had been having a conversation on the phone earlier that evening about yoga with someone while I was still numb on morphine and still not really feeling anything. And um, and then when I became lucid, when the morphine wore off, I thought, well, where is my yoga? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the thought occurred to me that the most important part of yoga is the focus on the breath and that that is central to the practice of yoga and i could still breathe and so i started breathing as deeply as i could but i had no idea that it was going to impact me as powerfully as it did um, i had a sh complete shift in consciousness where everything that i thought i knew of as me uh, the activity of my mind anything that i had identified with was suddenly not even there were no thoughts and I just became awareness itself. And as that happened, I also experienced this connection to breath. that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. It was like every other breath that I had ever taken up until that moment was like a tiny, 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 infinitesimally small fraction of what was possible. Mm -hmm. And when this happened it was like i had surrendered completely to the breath and almost become the breath it was like i was more breath than i was body to the degree wow. that i couldn't even tell the difference between my inhale or my exhale anymore it just felt like i was just receiving this constant vacuum of breath from the universe wow. and um yeah it was amazing it was oh. amazing i thought i was just 
I thought that it was divine intervention. I was going to walk out of there the next day. And I swear if I had been able to maintain that degree of self-awareness, I might've been able to actually heal my body. I feel like that would have been possible, but of course I fell asleep and eventually woke up the next day and I was just as paralyzed. But I'd had this experience that really helped me to sort of reset in a way and prepare for what was to come. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, just your voice and remembering back to the couple of sessions that I've had with you in breath. And it, it, I love that, the the metaphor that you said about it just reset you. And mm-hmm. that to me it is... Because I I'm, I always try to explain to people what I've experienced when I've done your sessions, and reset is a great a great word because it really does. You go you go into the class or thinking, okay, this this is what I'm going to take away from this. But once you start the breathing exercises, what that shift is something that was just meant to be. I I, I don't even know if I can explain it either yeah, it's really powerful it's and it's, yeah. it's uh it's sort of ineffable it's it's almost an impossible to put words to but i think that um in a way i guess the only the best way to explain it is that we just have no idea how much of what we think about ourselves is just conditioned thoughts that aren't even really necessary that are just based in memory yeah, uh, and everything that we think about is historic. It's just we're we're thinking about things that have happened in the past and yeah. that we identify with, and then we're imagining things that might happen in the future. But we are never really truly present when we're bouncing back and forth between thoughts about the past and thoughts about the future. Yeah, and breath work is one of the only it's certainly to to as far as i know it's the only thing that we can do without the use of say psychedelics that completely break that story altogether that just break through all of those memories and all of those projections and bring you so fully into the present moment that it really does feel like a total reset yeah people like well of course you have to breathe right we we're you can, unless you have a machine doing it for you, we all have to breathe. But there's a difference when you when you're Absolutely. in a space and you're paying attention. When I was when they when I was nine and and became so ill and they put me in a drug induced coma, and coming out of it, I one of the th- first things that they started working on was me being able to breathe on my own because I didn't think that I was going to be able to and not knowing my you know how stubborn I was and and my tomboy spirit um I I knew I would be able to breathe on my own and wanted to prove them prove that to them and I remember the the nurses and the doctors I worked with about how to focus on it that because it hadn't because I was on you know I had this machine breathing for me for so long that my body had forgotten how to do it you know on its own and so i remember them you know having me actually focus on my breath and Mm -hmm. that and you were talking about the healing that you felt like if you if you could have stayed in that space that you you may have been able to heal 
heal your back and that you would have walked out of the hospital. And I, I, I'm a big believer in that, that, you know, we, we can heal ourselves. And a lot of that is with the focus on breathing, because I don't think I would be where I am right now today. And as healthy as I am, if it, if I hadn't had somebody who taught me that as a child and that my life really depended on focusing on my breath. So I, when I met you, um, I don't know how long you had been doing the Zen warrior training, but how did you go from laying in that hospital bed and having that experience with your breath to actually knowing that this is something that you could do and to change lives for other people. Yeah, it was a um, slow process, really. Um, mm -hmm. I started out with my healing journey um, by moving out to Los Angeles. I was living in Maine at the time, going to school in Western Massachusetts. And in uh, 2000, when I graduated from college, I moved out to Los Angeles and I started to uh, sort of apprentice in a way under an extraordinary somatic movement teacher named Emily Conrad, who founded a program called Continuum Movement. Now, Continuum, um, Emily was the only person that I had ever heard of at the time who had had any success in helping people with paralysis to recover function in their bodies. And she was worlds ahead, worlds mm -hmm. ahead of any doctor or physical therapist that I'd ever met. Her connection to the body was profound. She died. Uh, the reason I'm using past tense is she died too, in 2014. Mm -hmm. um, but it was such a privilege to work with her and to learn from her. And um, my goal was to become able-bodied again. And while that didn't happen, um, partly due to being hospitalized with pressure ulcers in 2003, mm -hmm. um, I really healed my trauma through my work with her. And it was all through breath and movement and uh, creating sound vibrations that, that sort of changed the, the internal context of one's awareness in the body. It's, it's kind of hard to, we would need a whole three-hour podcast to try <laughs> to describe continuum. Yeah. But, uh, but so, so there was that, and I, I studied that very intensively. And then... Um, you know, fast forward, I'm, I'm sure going to leave, leave out some important details, but fast forward uh, about 13 years. And um, I was in Los Angeles receiving coaching uh, from someone in uh, Santa Monica on a regular basis and really getting a lot out of the experience of coaching. And uh, it really helped to put some pieces of my life together, both with my relationship and my self-awareness and sort of uh, being more accountable to myself and that kind of thing. And right around that time, I had, uh, I'd been doing a number of different sort of odd jobs. I worked for Russell Brand on his TV show and, uh, and then worked for a music publishing company, but I really didn't feel like my life had the type of purpose that I was looking for. Uh, these jobs didn't really feel like they were giving me the feeling of 
you know, waking up every day with a strong sense of why I'm here and, and really wanting to feel like my, my life was in service of a, a greater good. And around that time, I kept on hearing from people who would tell me on a regular basis, they would say, you know, every time I'm going through a challenge, I think of you and what you've been through and your attitude and the fact that there's always a smile on your face and you're always cracking jokes and you seem to be really present, not worried about the past and your past experience and not, you know, tripping up on your future and all of that. You just seem to be really powerfully present. And um, it was kind of like a light bulb went off at that time. And I realized that this was something I did naturally and that this was something that people were being inspired by me already with. And uh, that was the genesis of what I, what I call Zen Warrior Training, in which I coach people on how to tap into the power of their presence, which means really you know, doing the work to, or we could call it work, or we could call it play, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, could, we could doing the play, doing the play to uh, get out of the burden of one's own unconscious habits of thinking, which prevent one from being as fully present in terms of their abilities, their their natural power, and uh, and tapping into this sense of presence and soul that um i think in our society gets um underrated big time yeah you know, we look at uh, i know you were at my soul performance workshop yes a few weeks ago and i feel like our metrics in our society of how we define performance like we use these metrics like productivity and efficiency and that sort of thing these are the metrics of machines. These aren't the metrics of human beings. Yeah. You know, human beings are complex beings that have extraordinary potential. But when we're looking at our lives through the lens of how we can just be more productive or just be more efficient, then we aren't really honoring the wisdom and connection that we all possess. And yeah. my my concern has always been that human beings have this extraordinary potential that goes untapped most of the time. Yeah. And I hate seeing people just sort of give up their depth and their wisdom and their true unique contributions that they can bring to the world and to sort of put those things aside in service of just being a cog in a wheel. And so I guess my whole reason for being here is to remind people just how powerful the presence of their soul is yeah. and how each person who is born into this world has a, there's a reason why you're here at this yeah. time. And uh, let's find that out and help to maximize that. Yeah, Sam, how would you I how would you tell somebody that's you know sitting out there someplace on this planet listening to this podcast one of your classes and and I'm you're there and you're you're guiding, right? It's it's easier to to practice what you're mentioning, but 
But when you're, you know, sitting, you know, in your car in traffic and listening to this podcast or, you know, you're sitting at your desk and you should be working, but you'll have your headphones on or, or wherever you are, you know, rocking your baby to sleep, whatever it is, what, what is, what are some of the, the things you could share that, that people could do in their everyday life? Fantastic question. Um, so I think the foundation for me, miracle of life, mm-hmm. that there is this tiny, tiny, infinitesimally small window between our birth and our death when we are here on this earth together in this extraordinary place that is full of all of this just teeming with life and abundance fresh air and trees and flowers and music and all of these things that are so rich and incredible. And I suppose maybe I'm naturally oriented towards being blown away by that miracle every day, even in the midst of really hard, really challenging times, even in the midst of like, oh my God, this is so tough. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm dealing with this thing. There's still part of me that's going, wow, I can't believe I'm having to deal with this thing. And holy cow, the fact that I'm even here to have to deal with this is a miracle. Yeah. This is extraordinary. The richness of life that's available to us. I mean, I'm just sort of, even as I'm talking to you, I'm taking inventory of what's around me. And it's all just been put here in my world. I didn't create any of it. It's all just here for me and I can do whatever I want with it. And I don't have to do anything. I can just be here and appreciating this extraordinary gift of life. And when we can really, really feel that, really in every cell of our being, feel the gift of life, I think it gives us an appreciation for the, first of all, the brevity of life and the miracle of being alive. And to me, that makes me really want to inquire into the mystery and really embrace the unknown and go, you know what? There is so much that I don't know. There is so much that no one knows. This is an extraordinary mystery. And how do I want to essentially dance with this mystery? And it might sound a little bit funny, but kind of like make love to the mystery, make love to it, dance with it, have a, just let it enrich me and then ask myself, how do I want to enrich the world? Just sort of paying it forward, paying Mm -hmm. for the mystery of the gift of life. What do I want to do that would feel so good to me to bring into the world? And for me, what feels good is a feeling where people can feel more alive. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so much of what I notice these days is people kind of living in a way that feels like they're half alive. Yeah. They're kind of going through life in this sort of automatic way. Yeah. A little like 
I don't think it's any coincidence that we see a lot of zombie movies. <laughs> because and we relate we, to them. So we relate to them. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we're a lot of people just kind of walking around a little bit like they're the walking dead. Yeah. And and this includes some people who are quote unquote very successful by society standards. Yeah. So material success doesn't buy your way out of um the issue it doesn't make people necessarily more alive and sometimes it makes people more dead inside and uh <laughs> you know i i just want to i want the world to feel more alive i i want i i just love nothing more than to feel people's excitement and enthusiasm and appreciation for their lives and and to feel the the beauty of who they are uniquely as human beings and to feel like they can bring that beauty into the world and have it received and have it acknowledged and uh, uh, that to me is what makes what life worth living yeah oh it does i i know my you've met my husband moses and yes he um he often shares, we talk about how much of our days that we spend in a, he calls it a trance almost like, so as an example, like when you're going for a long walk or driving your car from point A to point B, and how often do you get to that final destination and you don't even really remember anything (laughs) that occurred during the drive or the walk. And because you're in trance, you're, you're thinking about everything except for what you're actually doing at that moment. And so the two of I, the two of us, you know, we have, we, we, like, I, I just shared that we did this little road trip home. And when we ever, we start a road trip, we always say, okay, let's, let's really pay attention to what memories we're going to make from this trip because and and to consciously think about what we're seeing and smelling and tasting and feeling and everything so that when we do get home and we say okay what do you remember about the trip and often they're different some of them are similar but often it's different but it's it's living in that moment, like you were talking about early, like what's happening right now? Who am I talking to right now? How am I feeling right now? What's going on around me right now? And I think, you know, and I, I, you know, there's been plenty of times I've even gone for a hike and I get to the summit and I'm like, I don't remember anything. I was so focused on getting to the top or, you know, maybe my muscles were sore, whatever. Um, or I was worrying about something at work or, or with one of my children or something. And it always makes me sad when I get to the end and I'm like, I don't know how I got here. And it's like, darn it. I wasn't paying attention. And so I I do think it's, you know, you're speaking to the nature of Zen, which is about full immersion in the moment. It's, mm-hmm. It really is. That's you know that's as close to a de- uh, description of something that is undescribable as we can get. Is it's really about the practice of full immersion in the moment. 
Yeah. And I think mine, you know, came from that, well, several in my life, near-death experiences and really totally 110% grasping that I, right now, this is what I have is right now. You know, what mm-hmm. came before me and, and what's in my future, it, it is, it's a mystery. Like you said, you don't know what it is. Um so let's enjoy and absorb right now, even if it's not pleasant. Um, you know, you know, I might be feeling pain or tension or whatever that is, but at least I'm feeling it right now instead of ignoring it right. and thinking about other things. Yeah, yeah. And f- for anyone who's listening and they're thinking, well, that, why is it so hard to be fully immersed in the moment? Well, part of it is that we have to sort of be aware of the nature of how the brain works Mm -hmm. because the brain is trying to automate as many tasks as possible. And it creates patterns of recognition that allow so many things to be automated as known. When things become automated, then we assume they are known. For example, if I'm driving around a city, The more I drive those city streets, the more my brain creates an unconscious map of where I am so that I don't have to think about it, so that I can think about other things. It frees up the resources of the conscious mind to make things unconscious. Same thing if I'm learning how to drive a car. You know, when we were all first learning how to drive a car, it's just one thing after another. We had to pay attention to, okay, where's the key? I need to put it in drive from park. You know, I need to look in my mirrors. But then after a while, we just do it automatically. We get in our car and the next thing we know, we're at our destination and we Mm -hmm. hardly even remember how we got there because everything is so automatic. So it's good that the brain is able to automate functions as much as possible and to make things that needed attention become unconscious. But the problem is we tend to automate our reality and our sense of selves as well. And so Mm -hmm. we will take ideas about who we are and we will automate those ideas. The more we think about those ideas, the more they become sort of hardwired into our brains that we identify through these ideas of who we are based on our age, um, where we live, where we grew up, the type of family that we grew up around, all these different inputs from our environment and from our history that we automate as our identity. And then we create what we believe is a known world of self. And the more we do that, the more we, it, it, on the one hand, it can free up resources to think about other things and it can allow us to sort of socialize in a way where we don't have to constantly think about what the next thing we're going to say is because it sort of comes out automatically. But the problem with that is that it means that unless we are actively looking for something new we're not going to see anything new Mm -hmm. we're not going to actually have a truly novel experience of the present moment because we're going to be so convinced that we know about ourselves and know about our environment and know about our friends and know about all these things and our brain just thinks that it creates this our brains sort of create this known world which then ends up dampening the mystery and Mm -hmm. dampening the the sense of newness and aliveness in the moment So that's why it takes so much self-awareness to 
catch yourself in a known world and go, you know what? The mystery is still unknown. The mystery is still revealing itself. And I can focus on that too. And I don't have to keep thinking the way that I was thinking yesterday and the day before. I can actually, if I want to perceive myself differently, I can make an effort to start to map new ways of perceiving myself in my mind and perceiving my world in my mind that are more conducive with the life that I'm looking for versus the life that I've sort of maybe grown a little bit bored of because I've repeated the same thing so much in my mind. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, (laughs) that's a lot to think about, but yet it's so simple. Right. And I think that like, I just got to spend some time, a couple of days with my new great niece and I, I just, I love being around small children that and, and part of it is because of what you're talking about. Like everything is amazing, you know, everything yeah. is new and, and, and it's literal, right? Because yeah. they're, they're, they have not lived and they haven't created those patterns mm-hmm. that adults do. And, mm-hmm. I, and I just, whenever I, whenever I get to spend time with, with a little one, it, it does. It almost has that reset component for me of, oh, I, I want to do that. Every time I taste, you know, a new flavor of ice cream, I want it to be like the first time I ever had ice cream yeah. or yeah. walk across this room. I want it to be like the first time I, I went across this room. Yeah. And it would be wonderful if we, if the world was like that, you know? Yeah. It, that you yeah. didn't look back on all those old patterns and those things, you know, and some of them probably weren't pleasant. Those things people told you, oh, this is the person you are and this is the person you're going to become. Mm-hmm. And to let that all go, just, just like a, you know, like a child and that, and that everything is new and fresh. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is yeah. The, and the, the world outside of us is conditioned that that is not a possibility, but on our own individual lives, we can claim that possibility. We don't yeah. have to be in a state where the, just because the outside world and most people are not practicing that type of appreciation or newness presence, we can do it on our own and the cool thing is that as adults we can create consciously what we would like to create versus being programmed by our family and our culture based on what their preferences are and what they think is appropriate and i i work with a lot of people who are in this place of middle age and and wanting to really create a sort of a new life for themselves moving Mm -hmm. forward into you know for especially for the second half of their life and uh, and so much of that is just a deconditioning process of deconditioning from whatever they've identified with that they just kind of picked up from parental figures and their friends and so forth that put them in a certain or that that made them 
put themselves unconsciously in their own little box of identity that prevents them from expanding beyond it. And so, um, yeah, the cool thing is, is while the world outside of us is not yet ready to embrace what we're talking about, the world inside of you as an individual, you can do it anytime you want to. It just takes uh, practice and dedication because you might have spent several decades hardwiring in certain limited identity based on the people who influenced you growing up and so in the same way that you um in the same way that if you move to a new city you would have to learn all over again uh where you know you turn your car to get to certain places in the same way you actually have to learn new territory based on your own perception of who you wish to be internally and you have to start to hardwire in new ways of perceiving yourself that you practice so diligently that it actually rewrites the programming in your own mind to be programming based on who you want to be versus who you've been conditioned to be yeah absolutely i have um an example of that is when you know i i've I've been visually impaired, blind, you know, since the age of nine. And I have people all the time tell me, Penn, you don't act like a blind person. And when I ask them, well, what, what does a blind person act like or, or look like? And really, it comes down to, and this sounds silly, but Stevie Wonder, like it's like Stevie Wonder <laughs> is the poster child of somebody who's blind. And, oh and I think I, I, you know, and I love Stevie Wonder. Don't get me wrong. Um, not a virtuoso piano player who works <laughs> oh back God. and forth and makes the most amazing songs. Like, how, uh, <laughs> wait, you're a different kind of blind person? Oh am. God, so There's all kinds of blind people. Um, but it's that it's that thing of letting people put you in a box well Mm. blind people are supposed to fit in this box and um or 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 probably you know you you may or may not experience it somebody in a wheelchair you know it's like well i don't know what somebody in a wheelchair looks like or supposed to act like but some people feel they do know that and and i i actually take it as a compliment that I don't look or act like a blind person um, because I look and act like me. (laughs) And, but that is, that's the, the, the boundaries that people put on each other of, you know, well, you're a woman, you're supposed to be like this, or you're this age and you're supposed to be like this. And, you know, you're, you know, this nationality, whatever it is, you know, that society tries to box you in. It's, it's really very insidious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very, very interesting. To, uh, yeah. I love this topic. Um, I, I, I battled for a while after my injury happened to not be perceived as a victim. Because I could feel a lot of people, and I would internalize this feeling 
based on what I would see and experience from people looking at me. And I suppose part of this was also my own trying to figure out who I was and how I, how to be in the world in this very new way. And, uh, and I didn't want, um, to, have people thinking that they constantly needed to be opening doors for me. I certainly didn't want people feeling sorry for me. I didn't want yeah. any of that stuff because it just didn't feel good. I didn't want to be around that kind of projection. So mm. I kind of went a bit, I feel, to the other end of the spectrum to sort of show up in this way that kind of felt heroic and defiant of the sort of victim mentality and that kind of thing. But what was interesting is I eventually realized that the hero is just the other side of the victim. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just compensating for the same pattern of association. It's like, yes. okay, if, you, if you're trying to not identify with something, then you're actually identifying with it more by trying to not identify with it. <laughs> so, so eventually I had to really learn to let go of really identifying with anything and just you know just be present yeah that's for sure that's for sure oh well sam i i could talk to you all day long um but i just you always blow my mind you always (laughs) blow my mind every time i have a conversation with you and also i feel have felt this way since the first moment we got to chat is that I, I, I don't get to talk about, or I don't take time to talk about these kinds of things with just everybody in my life. And so it's, it's really refreshing to talk to somebody who is like-minded <laughs> like mm. you. Well, are. I have such an appreciation for you. And I was so happy that I got to meet your husband in, oh. uh, in Colorado. He's just such a lovely guy too. You too are I do want to share with you a quick little story about how and not just you, Sam, and how you have impact on people's lives. And it's a ripple effect. Um, we all do. You know, we all do in positive and negative ways. We don't know how we're impacting somebody's life most of the time. But uh, over Labor Day weekend, I was camping in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. And my I got tripped up on my guide dog's leash. And took a really hard fall and ended up um, separating my shoulder. But when the initial fall, I hit the ground, I hit the ground hard and I knew I hit hard, you know, you know that feeling of when like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then there's those like, uh uh-oh, something didn't sound good. Well, I'm laying there and I knocked the breath out of me. And my, my friend was there, Mindy, who was in Estes Park with me when I, I did the breath work with you. And I was like, I, I mean, I couldn't catch my breath. I mean, it was like my lungs had collapsed. It, it was so painful. And she leaned down close to me and she said, Ben, just breathe like Sam, just breathe like Sam. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I just like slowly, you know, just, and it was just the right motivator to get me and I and I think because what happened when I fell you know you talk about those old patterns of things in my head I'm like no I 
you know, I'm supposed to get up and go paddle boarding tomorrow morning. And, you know, I, I have work on Monday. I cannot be hurt. Like I was thinking all those things in my head. Um, or, you know, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. What did I look like when I fell? Is my God, you know, I was thinking all these things. But when she said, you know, Ben, breathe, breathe like Sam, it did. It just refocused me back like, okay, I'm here right now. I'm laying on the ground. I'm alive and I can breathe. And I just started breathing and just taking in that breath and evaluating what really, what really was hurt and, and being grateful for the things that weren't hurt. (laughs) And it really did, um, impact my life because I I talk about you and your work quite a bit but it was really neat for me to have a friend that had just experienced you know one of your classes that impacted her so much that that's what came into her mind when she saw me struggling to breathe that is amazing yeah my gosh that makes me so So, happy I mean I remember at the beginning of the session out in Estes Park, where you came up to me and told me how much of an impact that I had had on your transition um, before your eye surgery. And um, and that impacted me so much, I nearly couldn't do the class. No. No, I mean, mean, it was just so, it was so emotional, so beautiful to hear that. And so now, now to hear this one, you're just landing another one on me right now. <laughs> it is equally impactful. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I am sure there are thousands upon thousands of people out there that have been touched by your life and and your story and your philosophy and your even your courage to to share, you know, what what you share with the world and you know, I, I know that I'm not the only one and, you know, everybody I've met that has met you, um, you know, has similar stories to that. So, so I want to really thank, thank you. you so much for sharing that, Ben. Absolutely. So what's next for you, Sam? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm juggling so many things right now. Oh. Um, I, I no, it's all, they're all beautiful things. It's, it's amazing. I'm working on a book right now. And then uh, also bringing, uh, I also bring my my philosophy and approach and and some mindset principles and strategies and embodiment practices to uh, corporate teams who are looking to improve their ability to uh, sort of maximize the vitality and, and productivity of their environment. And I'm also working on a TV reality series, which is going to be based on the relationship between mentors who have accomplished extraordinary things with disabilities, working with groups of similarly abled individuals to help them to break through their own perceived limitations. So those are a few different projects I'm working on, in addition to doing my private VIP coaching work with private clients as well. Wow. That that's a lot. And I'm so excited to see all this come to fruition. So Sam, if somebody out there would like to reach out to you, learn more about you, um, 
and and follow follow these amazing things you're doing how would how do they get what's the best way for them to reach out to you my website is zenwarriortraining.com or you can email me at sam at zenwarriortraining.com you can follow me on instagram at zenwarriortraining and anywhere where you put my name sam morris and zen warrior training you're bound to come up with lots of podcasts and blogs and all sorts of stuff so i'm pretty easy to find and I will always return any email or message that I may receive. And he does. I can I can attest to that. And we will also put that contact and all those different ways of contacting Sam into the podcast notes. So if you didn't have a pen and paper or something to jot it down real quick, um, just check out the podcast notes. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking time today. I always offer out to my guests to ask me a question. I I just asked you a ton of questions. So fair is fair. Do you have a question for me? Penn, what's next for you? What's what's alive for you in this moment with what you're creating in your world in addition to the podcast? I think, and this really came out of the work I'm doing here with Audio Information Network of Colorado and really Connect, reconnecting with my the community um, that is blind and visually impaired, but also with when we were in Estes Park and I did the did the breathing exercises with you, is to reconnect with that child that's in me, and I have sort of pushed her to the side for a number a number of years, you know, following my career and. Um, trying to be an adult or what people told me is an adult is supposed to be. And so what's presence with me right now is just really reconnecting with her and getting back to my truth, which is that the person that I am deserves, you know, kindness and deserves love and and I you know can trust in the skill set that I have so I, I think that's that's really what I'm just really trying to focus on and and allow to happen right now that is a beautiful answer Pen. thank I you I am so in support of that Let thank me know you I can help in any way I will I will oh Well, Sam and everybody else out there who's listening, thanks for spending some time with me today, just like you do every week. Aftersight has just been exploding all over the world. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing in my life right now. And I really, really appreciate all of you and and your comments. You know, definitely reach out to Sam. Um, He is, he's a life changer. Um, But he also connects the dots back to where maybe maybe you want to be so definitely reach out to him and make sure you are kind to yourself this week and try to find a way to be kind to somebody else it is really good for your soul so thank you all and i will be back next week sam thank you again thank you ben